everybody. Welcome back to the BLP Bulletin. I'm Danielle Berman and it is Monday, November 8th. I hope everyone had a really great weekend. Great to be back with you all here with another bulletin. I hope you guys are following us on social media on Twitter at Big League Phil and on Instagram at Big League Philanthropist. You can get a sneak peek of the guests we have coming up and you can see who we've also been having on the show. And of course, you can always reach out to us if you know someone we should be interviewing. Just email us at info at tacklewhatsnext.com. All right, I've got my coffee in hand. Let's get right to this week's bulletin. Last week was the first all vote, no play day for NCAA student athletes and coaches. If you remember um, last year, the NCAA SAC or student advisory committee, uh, student athlete advisory committee, I should say, voted unanimously to make the first Tuesday of November, which is typically election day, a day that's dedicated to civic engagement. And now there's this all vote, no play playbook, which is a nonpartisan guide to provide coaches with ideas of really how their teams can be more civic minded. The day is supposed to be a day off from playing and help student athletes become more successful leaders and community builders. So really excited to see this take action. As we know, student athletes have been really vocal about a lot of different things and they have a lot more rights than they did this time last year because of NIL. So it's really exciting to see uh, folks focus on their, you know, leadership and community building opportunities. Um, the next story that we have is really about those who might need some extra love and food this holiday season. So if you live in Denver and you want to support those who might need an extra hand, the Denver Nuggets are partnering with Kroenke Sports Charities and the Denver Rescue Food Mission to host the Do All You Can Food Drive. You can bring non-perishable food or donate money before the game that they have on Wednesday, this Wednesday, November 10th against the Pacers. And those donations will be a part of the Denver Rescue food missions goal to provide over 815,000 meals to their community each year. They also have a sponsor, King Supers, who will be matching up to $5,000 worth of donations. So if you're in Denver, you're planning on going to the game, even if you're not, go drop off some uh, non-perishable foods or donate some money uh, to support that amazing cause. All right. Moving right along, we wanted to talk about the Foundation for Global Sports Development and their 2021 Athletes in Excellence Award. They just announced the 10 athletes who were honored with that award this year. And the award really recognizes those elite athletes who are not only amazing on the field and in their sport, but really they match that level of talent with, through their dedication to the community and mentorship and service. And that award comes with a $10,000 prize to help athletes continue doing that amazing work. So here are the 10 winners, Lisa Berger Finnegan, who's a rugby star, a standout coach who's now using social emotional learning and inclusion in her coaching style. Kim Crosby Hightower, a Paralympic bronze medalist in track and field and an ambassador for the Challenged Athletes Foundation. Rudy Garcia Tolson, a Paralympian five-time medalist in swimming and another ambassador for the Challenged Athletes Foundation and a mentor for Ready, Set, Gold. Cody Michael Jones, a Paralympian and Javelin, who's a mentor also with Ready, Set, Gold, and with our friends at Angel City Sports. Amanda McGrory, a Paralympian in cycling and an advocate for the Paralympic movement. Linnell Jones McKenney, a basketball star and activist in Flint, Michigan. She's provided clean water, school supplies, clothing, and other kinds of mentorship to the residents there. Carissa Moore, an Olympian in surfing. She was the first ever gold medalist at the Tokyo Games, if you remember. She has her own foundation called More Aloha. I love that, <laughs> where she engages young women 
um, through surfing to be strong, confident, and compassionate individuals. There's Stuart Pimblett, who's a wheelchair curling and wheelchair basketball athlete. He founded the Northern Ice Wheelchair Curling Club and Charity, and he serves as an ambassador to curling for disabled athletes. Cyril Faget Tachet, he's a weightlifting Olympian and member of the refugee team at Tokyo 2020. He's a spokesperson for refugee athletes, and he serves right now as a mental health professional. Wellington Zaza is our last winner, a hurdler born in Liberia, now immigrated to the U.S., and he now has founded the No Lack in Lifestyle organization that uses sport to engage young people to focus on academic success and physical fitness. I love it. Congrats to all of these winners. As you can see, lots of different sports, lots of different parts of the world, but all of them are really committed to making a difference. And I think that's awesome. So congrats to each of them. I'm sure you can go and look up some of the organizations that uh, they're supporting and see how you might be able to lend a hand and make a difference. All right. Our next story is from Axios and it is about Australian soccer star, Josh Cavallo. He came out last week as gay and he is now the only current openly gay top flight male soccer player. He had a video statement that came out where he shared that he wants to help other players that are living in silence know that they're really welcome in the sport of football and they can be their authentic selves. That message is really so important. And now that Josh has come out, there is an openly gay athlete that's playing at the highest levels of the five major men's sports, at least here in this country, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, and now soccer. So what an amazing message that being gay has no impact on your ability to play sports. It is really doesn't matter. So I love his message that you should be able to be your authentic selves and you should be able to be comfortable being yourself in the sport. All right, moving on. The Athletic had a great write-up about the Racing Louisville team. Now, the playoffs kicked off yesterday for the NWSL, and Racing Louisville did not make it, but they are the first to provide their players with new health benefits specifically for fertility. They have partnered with the Kentucky Fertility Institute to provide services completely complementary. This includes, I think, egg freezing, embryo freezing, and long-term storage. I think those are the those are the three, possibly more, even if the player leaves the club. So if they are no longer playing for Racing Louisville, um, they still will maintain these services for them for free, which is incredible. I think I love this trend. We talked about the WNBA advocating and get players association, getting fertility benefits for their players. I think it's an incredible trend for women's sports in general, because these benefits are really important, right? It makes women's decisions on when they need to have children or should they, you know, do they have to end their career earlier? You know, what, what does this look like? It makes those decisions a little bit less stressful. Moving on, uh, Brandon Tensley of CNN wrote an op-ed in a CNN's race deconstructed newsletter about the Kaepernick effect. He really talked about how Kaepernick started a movement for athletes in the NFL and beyond, but he also spoke about the inequities that exist in pro sports right now in terms of players' rights and the fact that the average pro career is just about three years in the NFL and a little longer for NBA and MLB, but how Kaepernick's protest really turned athletes athletes from advocating for peace to advocating for justice. It was a big shift. So it was a really interesting op-ed. 
he has a lot of very specific, you know, views and, and he's very, very clear on the fact that he thinks the NFL has a long way to go. Um, and as, uh, as someone that shared that on this, uh, podcast, I think I agree, but I really recommend you read it because I think it was a really interesting perspective. We haven't necessarily heard about Kaepernick and what he's done before. Okay, as we wrap up here, a couple more stories to share. Sportico had Ben Sherwood, the founder and CEO of Mojo, write a guest column about how youth sports is in need of coaches with more resources and qualifications, and really just an overall overhaul of youth sports here in this country. We've talked about the youth sports industry and model being in crisis mode right now, but per Ben Sherwood, about 70% of kids that play sports drop out by age 13. That's crazy. 70%. And they're dropping out for a variety of reasons, but the main ones are cost to participate and the extreme specialization and competitive nature of the industry. Project Play found that nearly three in 10 kids have completely lost interest in playing sports. And that's insane when you think about how much, if you look back in your childhood, you probably played sports at one point. Maybe you got out of it after a while, but you you definitely played and it was probably fun. He also really pointed out the importance of kids playing sports to the future of the sports industry, which I thought was a really cool perspective. He referred to a quote from MLB commissioner, Rob Manfred, who said the best way to get a fan is to get a kid to play. So if you think about it, it's not just us wanting our kids to have fun and get these learning opportunities that matters, right? It's actually important to the future of the sports industry as a whole, right? Youth sports needs an overhaul or else the entire sports industry is really going to be crumbling before our eyes. So Sherwood talks about in this op-ed that we really need to pour resources into all youth sports and all kids, not just the kids who are going to become elite athletes, right? I think that's the problem with youth sports right now is we see kids that are really into basketball or really into soccer or really into baseball. And we go, okay, we're going to nurture these kids because they're, they're going to get there. They're going to make it. But The important part of sports is that it's got so many life skills and we need to be helping kids use sport to get to that next place in their lives. So whether it's using the leadership and the confidence building to get into college or to get a job, right? Those are the things that we need to be mentoring. So he talks about that. He also makes mention of these important organizations like Coaching Corps and Up To Us Sports and the Positive Coaching Alliance that it really ensures that every child gets a great coach and has access to play no matter where they come from. So I think he's hundred percent, right? It's all about equity. It's about making sure that all kids can have fun. Number one, that it's not always super competitive. And if you're not going to be a superstar, you're out. Why do we care about you? It needs to be fun. There needs to be these grassroots organizations like coaching corps, like up to us sports and like the positive coaching Alliance. And think about the local sports programs in your community. Are there free programs for kids to just go play a game? Like go support those programs because we really need to support these organizations. Otherwise, these kids are just not going to have access. So you can have as many great coaches as you want, but you also need the great programs that families don't have to pay an arm and a leg for. So I really can urge everyone listening to go look into these organizations that Ben Sherwood mentioned in the article that we just talked about, but also going to look at what's in your community, what free programs are out there for kids 
And what do they need? Do they need equipment? Do they need money? Because it's really so important, uh, not just to the kids that are playing, but to sports in general, right? People are losing interest. It's becoming very specialized. It's becoming very competitive and very expensive. And that's not the way sports should be. And finally, as we all know, yesterday was the New York City Marathon. It was awesome to see. I had a couple of friends who ran it, so I saw a lot of photos. Uh, but the GIST had a really awesome newsletter yesterday that highlighted the history of women's marathon running and the trailblazers who have opened the doors to events like the New York City Marathon and the Boston Marathon for women. Um, it was really cool to see the context about how marathon running began for women. And shocker, it's a little bit <laughs> sad to see how late in the game women were included, you know, up to, you know, maybe 40 years ago, women were not allowed to compete. Uh, so it's, it's very interesting. I really recommend you read it. It's an interesting uh, read through. Um, you see names like Catherine Schwitzer and all these different folks. Uh, but, you know, so many women run the marathon now. And I think it's interesting to know that that's been a big shift um, to 40, 50 years ago where women were not encouraged or not really allowed to run. So uh, thank you to the gist for that. And that's it for this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to learn more about the world of sports philanthropy and athlete activism. I hope you go follow us on social media, tune in to hear all of the amazing guests we have coming up here on season three. And I'll see you guys back here next time for another BLP Bulletin. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.